Welcome to the Business of Design podcast. I'm Cheryl Horn, Director of Operations for Business of Design. A lot has changed at Business of Design since this episode originally aired. For the latest information and rates on events and membership at Business of Design, head to businessofdesign.com. Enjoy the show. Hello, hello. Welcome to Business of Design, episode 168. We're talking technology today with Rebecca Ward. For those of us who have been reluctant to embrace technology, man, look at this. We were just like forced to go to summer school, right? You're having to learn some of the very technologies you've probably been avoiding. And the upshot of that is very likely to be positive. You're going to be so happy you've embraced these technologies. And if you're anything like me, once I tackle something that seems like scary and icky and I don't know how to do it and I get it right. Oh man, that feels good. It's so empowering and it leads me to tackle the next thing. So I think there's so many positive things that are going to come out of this forced slowdown. And one of them very well may be a new understanding, a new appreciation and a new respect for technology. I turn to awesome interior design professional, Rebecca Ward. She's from Sacramento. She's a business of design member and an advocate, and she's really great at setting up systems and procedures using apps and online tools. And she's kindly agreed to come on and share with us all the apps she uses. Now, I wish the list were smaller, to be honest, but so far it isn't. And one of the overarching themes we hear again and again is that the software programs do lots of things, but none does everything. So if you're looking for the magic bullet to run your business, I don't think we have it yet, but You can build a house using various apps that will function quite nicely, and Rebecca knows all about that. The advantage of having Rebecca come and talk about these things as well is she is, as I said, a Business of Design member, but uses Business of Design's 15-step project management strategy, and all of these apps integrate nicely with that. We're coming up to... Week five of Business of Design Bootcamp. And on last week's webinar, we had a member from Norway, from Oslo. Her name is Gita. I'm sure I'm saying it wrong again, Gita, but I'm doing my best. (laughs) And Gita said things are starting to open up there, that they're beginning to see a light at the end of the tunnel. And I thought, wow, that's good news, right? We're all starting to see those signs that perhaps everything is peaking And we'll begin to get positive news on a more regular basis now, which would be amazing. It also means it's time to turn our attention to recovery. And what is that going to mean for you? Is it going to mean going back to the way things were? Or is it going to mean going up to the way things are going to be? I hope it's the latter. We're going to check in with Cheryl Horn and get right into the episode. Thanks for being here, everybody. Hey, Cheryl, how are you? Hey, Kimberly, I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. The sun is shining, and that makes a huge difference in how I feel I've discovered. And I think you're going to tell us about an important program that Business of Design is launching for the community at large and for members. Well, this week we are kicking off Business of Design's five-phase recovery program with a free overview of what that program is going to be. It is free to 
anyone in the business of design community. And of course, our members are welcome to join us as well. That's happening this Wednesday, April 29th at 1 p.m. EST. Registration is open online. If you head to businessofdesign.com and click on events, you're going to see the five-phase recovery program there. You can register for the free webinar as well as check out an outline of what the full program is going to look like. Because for our monthly and annual members, each phase of that program is going to be multiple webinars. And the first one of those kicks off on May 6th and we'll open registration for that after this Wednesday's webinar. If you missed it, back in March, we did do two webinars that covered phase one, survive. Those recordings are available on the website now. There is a free version that was open to the community at that time. And again, the recording is available to the community as well. And we did a members version, which tied it into the 15 steps and introduced our boot camp. This week, we are also wrapping up Business of Design's boot camp with week five. All of those recordings, if you miss them, are also available online so that you can catch up if you weren't able to join us for that program. If you haven't participated in boot camp, but you're going to be joining us for the recovery program, we highly recommend you go back and do those webinars. They will be available to you as long as you need them. The coursework is still available online. And of course, you're more than welcome to join us this Thursday for week five of boot camp. What we've also been doing is Q&A following each week's webinar. We've been Because we have so many members on those calls, we collect the Q&As as we go through the webinar, and then we've been recording them after. So even if you've watched the recordings, please go back. There's Q&A videos for the first three weeks already. Uh, we'll continue to add to that, as well as any handouts that we've mentioned throughout, some disclaimers in terms of what to include on your drawing packages, your installation calendars, letters to clients um, that Kimberly's been sending out for those key touch points you want to make sure you're staying on top of. All of that is available to you at businessofdesign.com. And of course, all of the details for both of these programs are available there as well. That's it for this week. We'll talk to you soon. Let me tell you about Rebecca. Rebecca Ward is CEO and Principal Designer at one of Sacramento's leading interior design firms for modern living. She's an award-winning certified interior designer offering a worry-free experience to clients. Don't you think clients will pay more for a worry-free experience? I love that. She specializes in fresh contemporary spaces. Her focus is to bring purpose, beauty, and inspiration to every interior. Rebecca received her Bachelor of Arts in Interior Design from CSU, Sacramento State U., and founded her company, Rebecca Ward Design, in 2007. It's enabled her to really pursue her passion for design. She's a smart, savvy businesswoman. If you don't know her, you really should. She's very generous as well, continually contributing to the community and culture of Sacramento's design scene through mentorship of interns and design students. And she supports her colleagues by being an advocate for business of design. You can check out our website, rwarddesign.com, and on Facebook, Rebecca Ward Design, on Instagram, rwarddesign. Follow her, definitely. Welcome to the Business of Design podcast with Kimberly Selden. Business of Design is the coaching community for independent designers like you. We know it takes more than hard work and talent to successfully run a professional design firm. There are proven business strategies that can solve your immediate challenges and transform your life. 
Don't try to do this alone. Join today and you'll have access to more than 100 video courses, participate in monthly coaching calls, and find unlimited support within our exclusive members-only Facebook group. Unlike traditional coaching, BOD is a fast track to immediate results. For independent interior designers, decorators, architects, stagers, and landscapers just like you. Monthly membership is only $79. Annual members save two months. What are you waiting for? We all know design matters. At Business of Design, we think designers matter too. Hey, Rebecca, how are you? I'm doing great, Kimberly. Oh, good. I'm well, I'm well. I've been thinking of you. You're in Sacramento. What's the feeling like? Are people starting to feel a bit more optimistic? Yeah, I think that, I mean, all the nice weather here, it's springtime. And um, I know everyone is out walking along the river and the trails that we have out here. And um, I feel like everyone's just starting to look to the future. Yeah, good. I'm happy to hear that. And you're someone who always has your eyes on the future. You are such a wise woman. Anybody who was at Business of Design's conference had the opportunity to learn directly from Rebecca. And we were just so impressed with your grounded, um, rooted business savvy. And that's what we wanted to tap into today. You weren't really thrown by this pandemic in terms of running your business for a variety of reasons. Tell us why that is. Well, I have um, built my business up slowly over the last 13 years. And as I've added to my team, um, we've put different systems in place to allow us to work virtually. I worked out of my house for about 10 years. And so sometimes, because I had little babies at home, I would have to have my um, intern or my part-time employee or then my full-time employee work remotely. And so we had to have a system for being able to um, go through projects, keep track of everything, and work remotely, basically. Do you feel like doing that made you more efficient at your jobs because you were forced to be remote? I do. Yeah, I think that um, it probably rolled in for me being a mom as well, having Mm -hmm. the little kids at home and I wanted to spend time with them. I wanted to work most efficiently so I didn't have to work all the time. Right. I think some people are really anxious about that aspect of things. Like they didn't see themselves being someone who worked remotely, but the positive side of it is you might actually gain a lot of efficiencies in your business. And then if you choose to have a bricks and mortar office later um, and have a team in that bricks and mortar office, you'll be better off anyway. So there are some really good things that are going to come out of being forced to be remote, I think. Don't you? Exactly. Like, for example, when I first started my business, I used my cell phone actually as my business number. And um, obviously that didn't work as I got more people on my team. They couldn't answer my cell phone for me. So we moved over to Google Voice, um, which is great. It rings to all three of our cell phones. We don't have to have a landline. It takes voicemail and um, dictation. And then sends it to our email as well. So we can always see our messages 
and it's not coming to my cell phone anymore, which I used to get a lot of spam on as well. (laughs) Yeah. It's so funny. I'm talking to this one office. I've been coaching them and they are so reluctant to switch to something like Google Voice. We use Ring Central, um, which is great. Google Voice. I'm sure there's lots of others, but they're so resistant to setting up a new system for answering the phone that's going to be so much better than having all the calls go to the boss's cell phone. That's kooky. Right. It is. It is. And I'm not the person who should be answering the phone anyway, as we all have learned through the 15 steps. Like, I am going to say yes to every inquiry call that comes in. So I can't answer the phone. So most of the time, I don't even answer my office line. We just screen it, and then um, my employees will answer it. Good on you. I realized, um, for me, a huge life-changing moment was when I realized I had the most phone calls and the most emails of anybody in the office, and that wasn't a good thing. I always thought, of course, because I'm the boss, but truly the boss should have the least number of phone calls and the least number of emails. I mean, unless you're just working for yourself. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Because those are like busy work, you know, and it keeps you from doing what you really should be doing is the big picture items and running the business. So true. Okay, so you've got the phone system figured out remotely. What was another thing that came into play? Well, early on when it was just me, I set up QuickBooks online to run my accounting software. And my um, bookkeeper has always been virtual. So she just works a few hours a month. I do or did a lot of the input myself, but she would go on and check it. And so that she had access to it and didn't have to come to me because she actually lived like an hour away was really nice. Um, Also, I can even access it from my cell phone. Um, If I were like on vacation and had a question or I can see the invoices from the clients. So really having the accounting software in the cloud um, was really helpful for me. And have you employees too? Yeah. Have you tried any of the other design software programs that integrate um, QuickBooks? And do you know if any of them are seamless and smooth? I've looked at several of them, um, and none of them are great, is what I've heard. <laughs> um, we've made QuickBooks work over like tweaking it over the years to be what we want. And also now we're incorporating a new like a platform for a client facing called flow house. It's just a brand new um, system set up for designers to um, send their proposals and invoices to clients and it has like a client portal. And so that is eventually supposed to integrate with QuickBooks. And so I'm hopeful on that because I really like the way that flow house works on the client side. How did you narrow it down and select flow house? What were the key determinations for you? Um, we needed something that, um, would hopefully eventually work with QuickBooks was the first thing. Cause I don't see myself moving away from that so much. Um, and then the flow house, we needed something that had a client portal so they can look at their multiple invoices at one time and see what is outstanding, what has been paid, Whereas with just QuickBooks, um, I'd have to keep sending them an email or a link. And it's easy for the clients to get confused on which invoice was which. So with Flowhouse, it has that portal for the client to see all of them in one place and really get their questions answered on what has been paid and what hasn't. Okay, smart. When you think QuickBooks would pick up that thread and 
close that circle and keep that in their software. I, I'm surprised that they've never added that. I am too. Yeah. They've adjusted a lot over the years, but there's still that side of it that is missing. That would be really useful because then I wouldn't have to go anywhere else for it. <laughs> yeah. Now I know you use Dropbox, which we use. I don't think we could survive yes. without it. There are probably other platforms you could use that do a similar job, but boy, is it robust. I just love it. It is. Yeah. So we have all of our office systems, um, all of our client files are in Dropbox, our operations manual is in there. So if we need to see how we do something, um, everyone can access it at the same time and update it. And it's just, I don't think we could function without it, really. And that's not something that Flowhouse would also have as part of its structure, the ability to store shared files. No, it doesn't really. Well, it does have something we could all access. It's more, we're using it more for the proposal side to the client and then the invoicing. So just for goods, but like with Dropbox, we keep um, our measurements, we keep our existing photos of each project in there, and then our floor plans and um, pretty much all the details for each project within the folders. And I don't see Flowhouse having that kind of organization. Right. The, the thing that occurs to me and the thing that I think holds a lot of people back is there isn't just one software program you sign up for and you're set. <laughs> they have it all. There's, not, yeah. there's no way to do that. So you end up cobbling something together using four, five, six, seven, ten different apps and you make it work. Wouldn't you agree that that's still true? I would, yes, agree so much to that. And if you ask me like a year from now what I'm using, it could uh, it change really easily because things are always getting updated. Um, we're actually looking at something right now that we might switch over to if it makes sense. So we're kind of looking through all the details of software called Debsado, which I've heard um, mm-hmm. and I know several designers that use it. And I think it would replace about four of the um, programs that we use. (laughs) Yeah. I'm hopeful to maybe streamline that. Yeah. But um, in the meanwhile, we have something that works really well for us. And we were able to switch over to, you know, during the pandemic to switch to remote working really well. I think the thing that everybody has to be prepared for is nothing is permanent. I know every time we rebuild the Business of Design website, I think this is it. I'm never going to rebuild it again. And five years later, I'm rebuilding it again because technology is completely different. We can make it more user-friendly. So the reality is, don't for a minute think purchasing any one of these software programs is going to mean you don't have to look at these things ever again. Because probably within a couple of years, you'll be changing some of them out. It's true. Yeah. So you really have to be open to change, which is really hard for everybody. Nobody right. nobody really embraces change that well. Yeah. Now, I know you use a few old school programs. I think of them as old school anyway, Photoshop and um, PowerPoint, uh, MailChimp. So those are kind of OG, I guess, programs. What are some of the newer <laughs> programs that you have adapted to and use? Um, let's see. Well, we've definitely been using Zoom a lot more because mm-hmm. um, since there's three of us in um, my company, we can't just do a FaceTime with that. So we definitely use Zoom for all of our um, company meetings now. And um, 
so that's been uh, really helping us actually to um, process our projects while we're all apart from each other and even look at samples that I have here at my house and get their input on different things for the projects. Yeah. Um, another one would be Slack, um, which is a communication tool that instead of texting each other or sending emails, we can have all our communication within this program and it's searchable and um, we can upload pictures and files and um, but I love that you can keep track of it per project so you can be talking about multiple things whereas that would totally get lost in a text message or an email and you'd have to go back and search where this is all organized by project so slack has been really helpful with that too I resisted jumping on that I tried it for a couple of um, events I was doing with different coaches and I thought oh my gosh this just feels like one more thing that doesn't do everything, just some of the things. I don't know, but you love it, huh? I might have to go back and look at that again. I do. And yeah, so when we started using it, I was skeptical too. I was like, I don't know if we need this or how useful it would be. But once we set up all of our products, we also have a channel in there for management and for social media and for past clients. And so as an organizational tool, I've found it being really helpful with that. Oh, wow. Okay. So, okay. What do you use Asana for? So Asana is our task manager and I don't think we could function without it now. So we also have um, individual projects set up in Asana and um, any time of the day that I think of something that needs to be done on a project, I can type it in there, assign it to whomever's going to do it and what day I want it done by. And um, I think it really helps with your um, managing your expectations out of your employees. But it could also be if you don't have employees, you can set up team members like with your construction crew and people like that to get things done. We haven't gotten our construction crew on board with anything like that yet. No, but say, internally, it's on that. Great. That seems like a dream. <laughs> I think there's a new there's a new crop of no. construction crew coming that are going to be super tech savvy, but it's not the current one, <laughs> right? I mean, I I swear yeah. some of the <laughs> guys coming. who work for us still have fax machines. <laughs> like, I, oh, I, I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't see them jumping on Asana. Uh, so are, I'm like, so now I'm kind of losing my mind because why, why do you need Slack and Asana? This is what I always come back to. Why, why can't one of those do both of those things? Well, because in Slack, I can't check it off that I've done it. Um, and then I, when I was doing it, doing items in Asana, so say um, my senior designer wanted me to review some work that she had done and she'd give me the task to review it. And once I was done, if I didn't really have a comment, but I wanted to let her know that I was done or that everything just looked fine, I can now go to Slack and just tell her that instead of making like a new task to tell her that I think that what I reviewed was fine. So Asana was lacking a little bit in the communication aspect where you can write comments, but those can get lost, I feel. Like you're not going to always see the comments that you write in a task, whereas Slack is much more direct and um, notifies you immediately when there's a conversation in that channel. So, is so it, yeah, I know it's, it sounds yeah. really confusing, but it yeah. works. <laughs> yeah, no, I know it works. I know, I, I know it absolutely works for you. But it feels to me like if you were forced to only have your top five, what would they be? Mm-hmm. 
I would have a sauna. I would have harvest, which we haven't talked about. That's our time tracker. Um, QuickBooks. Uh, Google Voice, if you count that, and Dropbox. Okay, I get all that. That that works for me too. So Harvest, tell me about it. Why do you, why can't you track your hours in Asana or QuickBooks or what was the other one? Yeah, so none of Slack. those have timers. In them. <laughs> yeah, none of them have timers. So Harvest is basically a glorified timer that um, actually integrates with Asana. So so once you set it up, you can have it. Um, where it shows up in your Asana and then you don't have to worry about it anymore. So when you're working on a task in Asana, you click your timer. When you start working on it, you do your task and then you stop your timer when you're done working on it. And then it's assigned to the same project that the task was assigned. So you can keep track of your time per project per item. It's all itemized based on what the task says. So at the end of the month, I pull all of those time trackings with all the language from the tasks and I don't really have to do anything else with it. I can turn it into an invoice and send it to the client. Don't you ever do a task that you're not in Asana for and therefore you have to then add that to some other tracking app or device? Well, you can manually add it into Harvest if you need to. Oh, okay. So say I was like out driving and I forgot to start, start the timer, I could add that in for travel time. Interesting. So I predict that some of these functions are going to have to be gobbled up by one or two apps. Don't you think? I just, I feel like I would pay five times more to have it all in one place. Yeah. Which is what there's, what I'm being told that Dubsado is doing that has the Asana, the Harvest, um, it has the booking software and I think invoicing as well. So, um, I mean, so that's what we're looking at to see if we can kind of combine some of these. Ah, okay. So it's kind of like as the years go on, we've added this software and that software, and now we've got like a list of 20 that we use. Right, exactly. You know, it's time to start bearing down. And the other thing I found is every single one I sign up for, I'm all excited about it, and they're always going to integrate this great thing soon, but it never does happen. So um, there's also a moment where you go, wait a minute, that was supposed to happen two years ago and it hasn't happened. But anyway, um, so what do you think the advantages of our long-term being capable of working remote with your team and ready to go at all times? I think that as the team may grow or shrink, it gives us all flexibility to um, work from home because I have young designers that work for me. So someday they could have children if they wanted to work from home a day or two a week. I would be completely comfortable with that, knowing that I can see the work um, through all these programs that is getting accomplished and done, just like it's happening right now during the pandemic. Like none of us are in the office together. I'm not... And, and I don't like to micromanage anyone anyway. So I'm not having to look over their shoulder to see that tests are getting done. I know they're getting done because I can see it through these programs and softwares. And I suspect, you know, if you're working with a new team, you do want to verify that the fact that the task was done to your specifications. So it sounds like you have a level of trust with the people who work for you. Right. And typically, so whenever we're completing a task, um, like the junior designer will ask the senior designer to review it 
and then senior designer might ask me to review something that she's done if I need to. So there is some oversight, but there's, um, I like to give them autonomy as much as possible. Well, that's smart because then they're they're part owners of the business. They they take ownership and responsibility, which which makes sense. I think being able yeah. to work remotely also puts you in a position to take projects that are far from home and do them really effectively and really well. It doesn't throw you if one of your clients decides to purchase a chalet in Mammoth. Exactly. Yeah. So that's kind of the direction we're going to. We recently have a client who is not in our area. So we are, you know, working with them remotely and um, able to use all of these programs to run the project really efficiently. Right. Um, So, yeah, I like going to the Bay Area, to Napa, up to Tahoe. Um, Those are all places around us that are easily accessible, but we don't have to be there all the time to supervise the project. Oh, those are all beautiful, beautiful places that I want to see again. I'm starting to feel like, <laughs> oh, please, I want to be able to travel and see these beautiful places. I know it'll happen, but um, sooner sooner than later, I hope so, which would be wonderful. Yes, me too. Rebecca, I know you even made a checklist called Keys to Successful Remote Working. Is that available for people listening if they wanted to get their hands on it? Oh, definitely. I actually um, put the checklist together thinking about our local business of design chapter and how a lot of them were struggling um, working remotely. So I put this together for them. And we have a link that you can just go to download it. And um, I'll give that to you for the show notes. If you guys don't know Rebecca, you really need to. You need to follow her on Facebook and you need to follow her on Instagram, Rebecca Ward Design on Facebook and R Ward Design on Instagram. Rebecca's a perfect example of when I say like really be careful and pick your tribe. You want those business owners who are savvy and smart and they're running profitable businesses. That's where you want to get your advice. So if you're not following Rebecca Ward yet, you really should be. <laughs> we, we like to end every episode with design intervention. What comes to mind? So I would say make decisions for your business based on a place of power, not fear. And knowledge is power. That's what's going to give you the confidence to move into the future. Um, being open to change and spending time learning. Um, learning something that might help serve your clients better and give you back time in your day. It's so true, right? If we are going to go around making decisions based on fear, we're going to end up boxing ourselves into a corner. So what do you do, Rebecca? I know that you're really confident as a business owner, but what do you do to make sure you're in a position of power? Well, I acknowledge that I don't know it all. So I'm looking to my mentors like you, Kimberly, and um, other people in the design community to and to give me the information that I need to make good decisions for my business and to just kind of help me be hopeful about um, the future and that we can all pivot together if we had to go online more or do some more digital marketing. Um, as our environment is changing, I feel confident doing that because there's people showing the way how to do it. Well, I think you're a trendsetter, and I think a lot of people are going to be following your example. And I agree with you that knowledge is power, but it's almost like knowledge is the spark of power, but you do have to do the work, right? You do have to implement, and you do sometimes have to do things that seem scary in order to get to a new, better place. 
Right. Yeah. Just because, um, you're, yeah, you have to work through the fear and work through being scared and still make that step forward doing the next right thing. <laughs> yeah, it's so true because people listening to you probably think you never had a day of fear in your life and you never had a moment <laughs> where you were unsure what to do. But you remember those days, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've had my business for 13 years and there's times where I was like, I don't, I don't know if I can do this. And there's, there's, um, th- there's certain pinnacle points where it's really hard. And then once you break past that, it kind of opens you up to a new level and there's the, the prospects are wide open. And so I feel like some of that is like working through the 15 step program is, it's really hard. You have to take time out to focus on it and to ask the difficult questions and to do the hard work. But once you do it, then your business is running so smoothly and seamlessly that you can focus on other things in your life and um, the places you want to take your business. Is there any doubt in your mind that the next decade is going to be highly successful and profitable for you? No, because I'm choosing to make it that way. Oh my gosh. I have goosebumps thinking about that. If somebody would have said to me like 20 years ago that I might feel that way, I would have said, you're crazy. (laughs) I have no idea what I'm doing. Like, (laughs) right. And everything can be transformed, but you do have to do the hard work. Yeah, you're right. Thank you so much for sharing all of this with everybody. As usual, so generous. Thank you. You're welcome, Kimberly. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being a part of the Business of Design community. If you love what you hear on the podcast, take the next step by signing up at businessofdesign.com. As our thank you, you'll gain access to Business of Design's 15-step project management strategy, a free introductory course which includes three Business of Design systems you can implement for immediate results. And when you're ready for success, a Business of Design membership, monthly or annual, will dramatically improve your business and your life. What are you waiting for? Together, we will achieve extraordinary results. Start today.